We try and bring every one of the fivefold ministry here to Lake Haven so that you are not only ex- that you don't, do not only experience the office of a pastor, but you experience the office of a prophet, you experience the office of an evangelist, etc. So we, we want you to, to make use of these because, of, you know, um, an evangelist in particular, they aren't the ones doing the work of the ministry out there. They are the ones that are called us to do the work of the ministry. And so what, I, what we wanted to do with Brian, um, and you've, many of you have met Nate Tanner as another evangelist, many of you, uh, well, we wanted you to get exposure to his ministry so you can see, oh, wow, this is how he operates as an evangelist, um, because, uh, because we want you to know when we have Brian back, and we are looking at having him back uh, two weeks after Christmas, that is a tentative date that I was talking to Brian about, and that's like January the 7th, which is a Sunday, and, and what we're going to do is when he comes back is we're going to run a course, a little mini course, and so we'll run it for three days, so it'll be, we'll have him on Sunday morning, and if any of you saw the miracles that, were, that many people were healed and miracles that happened and so on um, that, that happened here, um, you, he will do a training that he normally puts online at cost, and he charges on it just because there's, there's reasons why, which I totally agree with, um, and, but, but he will do a course, a training with, with Lake Haven for a few days, teaching us in the office of an evangelist how to do the work of the ministry as an evangelist. You know that you and I are called to reach people. And when evangelists lay their hands on, well, I say lay their hands, but they, when they put their hand to the plow and they teach us, listen, this is how we're going to go from here. This is how you can lead people to Jesus. This is what you can do. They make it so easy. Because, you know, sometimes some of us, we have no problem speaking to people. Others, others of us, we're like terrified, like I couldn't speak to anybody and I didn't know what to say. Well, don't worry, come along to that and you'll see how easy it really is. And, and um, so that will, uh, well, you'll hear more about that because that's a couple of months off yet. But that is just warm up because we are planning to do a mission trip in June with him to join him on a crusade. And now that'll be at the DR, and so he is getting dates, and he's working with his crusade director in the DR. It's one of the countries he operates in, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a near enough country for it not to be exorbitantly expensive for us to get there and so on. And that will be round about the second week of June. So, but you will hear more about this. But I'm just giving you, I'm just throwing these dates out there so that you are aware that this is coming our way. Because... As believers, we don't just attend here to, to come and sit and, and spend an hour or so of time, right? There's a purpose. There's a purpose to serving, to serving the Lord. And, and, and listen, attending church, just so you know, it is not serving God. You don't serve God by coming to church. You serve yourself by coming to church. Jesus, you serve out there. You get equipped here, and then you serve Him in your day-to-day life. You serve Him when you go, when you serve people, when you love on people, when you, when you do what He has asked you to do out of a relationship with Him. That's where you serve God. You don't serve God by coming to church. It's not like, okay, God, I did my piece this week, right? And, and you know that I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little anti-religious because I'm not religiously anti-religious, I might add. <laughs> But I am anti-religion because religion generally steals from you. Religion generally, and you see it in Jesus' day, uh, religion steals, religion cares little for people as long as it serves the organization, as long as it serves the people in charge. But that's not the way Jesus did it. And he had a lot of things to say about that. And, and we'll, so, so when I talk about religion, okay, I, you know, I do want to identify clearly in your minds what that is and what that looks like. But, but, but I don't want us to get stuck in religion. And we all, we can easily. Listen, we're just human. Religious, religiosity and, and trappings and, and, and re- things that we do so quickly. You won't believe how quickly we, we can depart into traditions of men. Even charismatic traditions. I've been in the charismatic church. In fact, I've been in denominational churches. I've been in charismatic ch- I went through the whole slew. As God grew me, I had a good church. But you know what? You, you can make falling down under the spirit of a religious little act. You're like, oh, I've got to fall down to get something from God. Or I've got to run around the building to get something from God. I'm, I'm, I know I can step on toes. 
So give me grace. If, if I, like I tell everybody who comes to our meet and eat, if I haven't offended you yet, I probably will, but I promise you it's not because I'm trying to offend you, okay? Okay, because seriously, you don't, uh, you, you, there, if you want reality, if you want a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus, which I assume anybody who attends here for very long wants, because otherwise you will leave here pretty soon. If you want to do authentic Christianity, if you want to call it, and you want to get, there, there's things that I'm going to challenge you on to think about. So you don't have to fall down. I mean, it's funny. You can see, I got all the scriptures. Believe me, I went to a charismatic Bible school myself. I know how they justify falling down and stuff like that. And I'm, sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I've got to be real careful. <laughs> you know, it's like, listen, there's nothing wrong with falling down, but you don't need to fall down. I've seen the scriptures people justify. Yes, they did it in the Old Testament, but you don't see Peter and Paul and Jesus saying, lay your hands until they fall down. Or anything like that, okay? There's just, there's just a lot of, this is what I'm saying. When you, when you start, when you pursue Jesus and truth, a lot of stuff can happen. But we don't, we don't chase the stuff that can happen. Right. We chase Jesus. Yeah. We seek Jesus and a relationship with him. We don't say, oh, I want to go there until I fall down. Man, I had that in my Bible school, man. It was like, you had to fall down. We were going, never mind. I'm going to go off, get attention. Sorry. But, but we can get religious very, very quickly. Yes. We can make things, and, and Jesus said it. He said, you've, you'll hear that scripture often, but he said, you, you can make the word of God to have no effect in your life. And so this, this little series, and, and I, I called last week's because we did a, a water baptism last week, um, and I, I'm going to do, the, do this series a little differently. So uh, last week and this week will kind of be together on a, on a concept about being dead. Dead men tell no tales. That's what, that's what I called it last week because water baptism is, is one of those two things that Jesus said that the church, um, the New Testament should, church should have. And, and water baptism um, is one of those places that you identify with the death of Jesus. Now, now, listen, if you've been water baptized, you can still identify, and we need to learn to identify with the death of Jesus, right? So we're going we're gonna to carry on on that today. Then next week, Corin, as, as Corin mentioned, we're going to be doing a message together next week, and then, and then we're going we're gonna to carry on with this concept because, because I, we, 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 need to, um, we need to lay hold of some authentic Christian things in our lives if we want to see real dynamic purpose and change and in, in our life. Okay? We, we, we need to lay hold of some of these truths. They can't just be religious concepts out of them. They, and and so, so we want to take you on this journey. And, and, and it starts with, um, like all good things in Jesus, starts with being dead. It doesn't start with us being alive. It starts with us being dead. And Jesus said it in so many different ways, in different things. He says, unless a seed falls into the earth and dies. Right? So, and then it can't, it can't multiply. It can't grow. It can't spread. All of those things start with death. And, and Jesus certainly did. In, in death, things are multiplied. But, but life and death is, um, in the New Testament, there's these concepts. The West thinks, and I'm going to try and succinctly put this concept together, together for you. Now, we, in the Western world, we think about cause and effect. One thing leads to another thing, which leads to another thing, which leads to another thing, and we only see things typically very in a linear fashion. Now, a lot of things like that don't work in a linear fashion. You've seen my Hoberman sphere and my toy box over here. God doesn't work in a linear fashion. There's many factors that have influenced everything. Just because there's one aspect of of, of something that happens in your life, you, if we're not, if we, we're so focused in, we can be so zoned in, I wish I had a pair of binoculars, that's my next toy, you know, you can be, you can be so zoned in with your pair of binoculars that, that you can only see that direction, right? If something comes from the side, you can't see it because you, you're channeled. And you see, that, that's dangerous because God is much bigger than your binoculars, He's all around you, and he connects all in. So when you think, oh, I've got it all together, and you're walking like this, you should try walking with a pair of binoculars. It's very <laughs> difficult, you know, dangerous. I might add a little. What's that? Yeah, I'm 
Yeah, don't try it. But, but that's what we kind of do. We focus in and we don't see outside of our binoculars that we've been taught to look through. And some of those things that you taught have been, have, are perfectly good. Nothing wrong with them. But you've got to have a little bit more scope. That's not not seeing this thing. You just, you just made a mountain out of something that, that is great. It can be a mountain if you want to, but you're ignoring a lot of things around you that has an impact on it. Does that make sense? Okay. So in, Jesus spoke in terms of a, which, which, which we'll call a continuum um, is probably the closest way we can talk about it. But in a continuum, things work differently. And life and death which we're talking about death today, but death is, is a part of a continuum. Death is not just, you know, um, okay, you know, we define death in one way, um, in, but Jesus defines it, God defines death in multiple ways. In fact, Jesus, God, when he said to Adam, don't eat of the tree of that fruit, because in it, you, if you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Did Adam die? Well, yes. But he died spiritually first, and it took him another 900 or so years. We don't know how old he was when he ate from the tree. He lived to be 930 years. We don't know, but it says, he, dying he shall die. It's a literally double negative in Hebrew. You will die, die. And, and so there's, there's elements of death. Death is, a, death is a continuum. And anything that's on the continuum of death is still death. So sickness is a part of death. Sin Anything that's not aligned with the goodness of God. You know, when God's fingerprint is on something, when his, D- he, his DNA is infused into everything, it has everything of him in it. Right. So life and health and hope and joy and all of those things are part of his good. Those things are him because we see him in scripture. He is defined by scripture, not by your experience or what some religious person told you God did. You see, there is no death in him. In him is life and there is no death. In him is light and there's no shadow of turning. There's no darkness in God. He doesn't let, well, I'll just let let Satan take care of the bad things. Sorry, guys. No. You know, so there's this continuum. But So when we've got to see that there's forms of death all in in this continuum. And now this is a continuum. Okay, I'm going to start this way around. What is H2O? Water. Is it water? Is it always water? What happens if it gets below zero degrees Celsius? Ah, so it's not water anymore. I guess it is a form of water. But water can change. H2O can be water. It can be invisible. Steam is invisible. Water vapor is visible. This condensed seam into water vapor. You get sleet, you get snow, you get ice, you get blah, 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 blah. All H2O. What changed? The environment. So H2O hasn't changed. The environment has changed. Jesus said that our things in our heart work like this. He speaks about this. He said, if you just look at a woman lustfully you have committed adultery. That is a continuum. He's teaching in the continuum. He's saying if you just, if you, you have adultery in your heart, the only thing that needs to change is the environment because you've got it in your heart. You're growing the seed of adultery in your heart. It's the same thing about hatred. First John says it as well as in Matthew 5, If you hate your brother, get ready for it, you're a murderer. You are a murderer. And, (laughs) listen guys, I didn't write this. We can go and look at it if you want to. Matthew um, chapter 5, 21 to 23. You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say, everyone who's angry his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable into the fire of hell. 1 John 3, 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Um, and then there's the, the one about adultery. But the po- concept I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about here 
is understand the continuum. I'm not throwing out grace, people. Stay, stay wider than the binoculars, okay? Grace is still grace. Faith righteousness is faith righteousness, and that's what we, we are on. But we've got to understand how death works. You see, because we're so linear thinking that we say, no, 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 I haven't committed adultery yet. But I, just, I can just go so And that's why we in the West are like, how far can I go? How far can I go? When is it wrong? This far or this far? But it's already alive in your heart. If it's alive in your heart, it's already affecting your life. It's already affecting your life. It's already affecting your relationship with people. It's already affecting. And that's what death does. Death does affect us in different ways. And so God is showing us that change could, you see, but that's what legalism comes. Here come the religious garby people with all their fancy flowing robes. And, and they think they can be righteous because they're doing everything right. They're keeping this. They're keeping that. 613 laws. I don't know if you've ever t downloaded the 613 laws. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. And I'm telling you, I flew, to, I went to Israel. I spent a few months in Israel and I, we were flying LL and I was flying LL and I was watching the people do their little things, wrap it around their arms and their thumbs and put their things on in their prayer shawls. And they all think that they're being super religious. Well, they are being super religious. They think that by them, and we do the same things. We just do it in different ways. So I'm not trying to point out a whole bunch of stuff, but it's like, man, religion is death. And you will see that the longer you stick around here, you will see. If you want life, though, <laughs> stick around. We've got to talk about some of these concepts. Is that okay? Okay. Because when, when God speaks about, you know, when you, when you got saved, let me ask you, you to think about this. Now, maybe some of you aren't saved yet, but if you aren't saved, you are welcome to be, and this is a great place to come to, to know Jesus. But, but when you got saved, let me ask you why. You've got to ask yourself, why did I get saved? For the majority of, of uh, Southerners who got stuck in religion, it was normally a fear of going to hell. Not always. Some people were fed up with their, their life of sin and destruction and they, 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 were, they experienced the love of a Christian who loved them irrespective of their sin, faults, and failures, and they came into a relationship with Jesus. Now, if that was you, you're lucky. Praise God. Praise God. Because a lot of people run into the older brother of the prodigal son on the way home. And that's a whole nother story. Okay. But, but here, if you... If, if you got, if you were, if it was just a fear of death because you think you've been sold a bill of goods that, and you believed a bill of goods that salvation is this, when I die, I go to heaven. Sadly, much of the body of Christ today is there. That's it. Salvation, that's what it is. One day in the sweet by and by, whew, I can... Hopefully I can make it, or man, I can make it. And that's where it lies. But salvation, saved, sozo, is way more than that. Because in the continuum of life, in the continuum of life, it's, it's, it's to be saved, safety, salvation, delivered, protected, preserved, kept safe, to rescue from danger or destruction, healed, you're, you have health, you're made whole, you're blessed, you're prospered. All of that is sozo or soteria. All of that is in the continuum of salvation. That's powerful. You see, but if you only trust in God because you think that one day when you die, you want to get through the pearly gates. And you're just going to suck it up no matter what comes. I just got to live there. I guess we just... Got to go and serve God on a Sunday, I guess. Whatever. If that's, if that's all that you're living for and you're not getting to experience this wholeness of salvation, of this wholeness of life that Jesus came to give. Amen. 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 So we're going we're gonna to unpack life in a couple of Sundays. But let me try and, you know, this, well, we'll start because <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but 
It's funny that in, in Israel, of course, you've heard this term shalom, um, which is, is word peace. But shalom, even it's, if you understand, if you study shalom, it's very similar to the word salvation. It's wholeness. It's completeness. It's, it's way bigger than just peace. You go and study shalom, and that's, a, that's another day. You can go and do that on your own. Go and unpack shalom. It's beautiful. It's huge. In fact, I was um, in a, doing some crusades in Mozambique with, uh, years ago, and, um, and, and there was a people group there called the Tsonga, or the Shangan people, and we, they were mostly the people that we were working with. And my interpreter, he was, I, I learned over a period of time that um, the, they have a word that is so similar. They call it Ohanya, and, and Ohanya is the same thing. It's not just life. It's wholeness. It's this kind of thing. It's the same word. It's, it's, it's got the same description. It's, it's wholeness and health and it's everything in, in, in being what we ought to be. Kind of reminds us of what God created us to be in the garden, right? Till we screwed things up, but never mind about that. But so, so we touched on this last week, new creation, when, it, you know, such an important verse, I'm just going to go back a, a few, last week, you know, verse 17, just for reference, if any, um, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come, right? So um, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. But if you go uh, back to verse 14, for, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us and I can unpack that one, as you may have heard me do before, but, but it compels, it keeps us on straight. It's the love of God that motivates all of this. Because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. Man, one died for all, and therefore all have died. He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake died, for, who for their sake died and was raised. We sang it today in our second song. We are buried with Christ. Now, we really could spend a long time on, 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 on grasping this. I need you to understand this concept, please. So listen well. <laughs> and, um, just gonna keep, um, how can I say this? Jesus, thank you. <laughs> um, I'll, 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 I'll think about that a second, sorry. Let me just, you know, yeah, sorry. I, 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 I will get back onto that, sorry. Okay, so religion, I, I'm losing my way, forgive me. Okay, so here we are. Um, in, I'm going to go for the love, all died and died for all, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regard, regarded Christ according to the flesh, we re thus regard him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So we, in, in this death, in this death, um, uh, in this death that Jesus died for us, we have to be able to identify who and what died. When we don't understand that this old has gone and the new has come, the old man, as I mentioned last week, the old man has literally died. Now, religion doesn't want you to believe that. Religion wants you to believe that you still need to change. You have an old nature and you have to change. And so it wants to keep you stuck in this future thing like, oh, well, in the sweet by and by, everything will be okay. But no, you have been given something much bigger than this. We're, when you are, are thinking that you, uh, if you don't think that you actually died and don't learn, and we don't grasp this fact of, of, of identifying with death, then, then I think that I, ha I, I am here and I have still got to change. But the way that we have to change is we have to identify with death. I have to, uh, uh, this is the, the concept I think, I can, I can give you information, right? 
If, if somebody gives you information, I, I mean, look, you can watch TV, you can be watching this online over the airways, you can be reading a book, you can be reading the Bible. There is information that is coming out of here, right? So this is, the, this is what I'm trying to, <laughs> struggling to concept. help me Lord. When you, your, the information can come to you, the information won't be life to you unless you take the information and embrace it. It will just be information. And if you study church history, and we're very gnostically concerned in, in the Western church, we, we pursue information. So it's just too much. To us, we like information. I, I want to know stuff. I want to get. And, and you know what? Information is good. We need information, we need knowledge, but it doesn't end with knowledge. You have to take the knowledge. And you have to appropriate the knowledge, and it will become life to you. That's right. It's only when, your, when that information deposits in your heart, and you, and, and, and you can prevent it. We've spoken about that. You can prevent the knowledge from coming into your heart. You can have a hardened heart. You can give it a little bit of seed, a little bit of soil, etc., etc. There's lots of things we can do. But if you don't embrace, you don't take the information, if you don't open your ears, and you, in fact, when you don't sit down with your Bible and you just read the Bible mindlessly, you can tell the gold star people, well, I read my Bible for three hours. <laughs> or I prayed for this, or I fasted for 40 days. That means nothing. If you don't sit down with your Bible and you say, Holy Spirit... You are the teacher. Holy Spirit, you teach me. When that information can transform from, from, into life. And, and this, is, this is something that, that you will see Jesus speaks about. Because he, te- he speaks a lot about life. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself there. But what we've got to grasp here is that Jesus died and we died with him. So there is so much about the exchange. Even in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, um, it goes into from after verse 17, it talks about the reconciliation that, that, that he reconciled us to himself. And, and you know, if you're going to go through D group, we'll talk about faith righteousness. But the, the exchange is a, is, a fa- is, is a mind-blowing act of grace. To, to grasp the exchange that, that, that Jesus gave us his life and we gave him our death. Yes. It finishes off in that, and, and we're going to keep unpacking this, so stay tuned. If you think, if, you, if you're struggling with what I'm saying right now, I'm just going to say this. Just connect your heart right now and just say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to hear what you have to say. Not what Shannon has to say. I open my heart to what you have to say. Amen. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, for, for our sake he made him sin who know, knew no sin, that in him we might become the, right, the righteousness of God. You know, um, there you see that beautiful fact that he, Jesus knew no sin, he became sin. Now, religious people will struggle with this concept, but I'm not writing this. It doesn't say he carried my sin. He became sin. If we go and unpack, if we, if we go and take time, and we, we, we will, we'll look at it. Well, in fact, let's just go straight to Isaiah 53, because Isaiah chapter 53 breaks this all down so many ways. And so, uh, just for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to uh, go to verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Man, there you see the exchange. Now, I'm going to stop there a second. Remember, in Isaiah chapter 53, it starts that verse with saying, Who will believe this message? Who will believe this report? In fact, in Isaiah 54, if you go back even further, it says that my people wail because of what they've been taught. But then he comes into this. Who's going to believe this? God, in his act of grace, 
we, we, get, we have been so sidelined by religion. In his act of grace, he's always said, right from, listen guys, this is from Genesis. Do you know that the law would never make anybody righteous, even from Genesis all the way through? You could never keep the law. It was never intended for you to be righteous through the law. Never. It always, even with the, sacri the sacrifices themselves, showed that the innocent, God was going to make the innocent pay for the guilty. Okay, so right from the beginning. But you know what religion has done? You keep the rules, and you'll be good enough. Oh, you don't keep the rules, you're not good enough. I keep the rules, I'm good enough. And so we've entered into that, and that's where, the, where we get so much turmoil in here. So we see that he was crushed. Um, he crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. Now I'm going to jump down to... Please study this on your own, but I was going to go down to verse um, um, 8. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, and for his generation, um, who considered that he was cut off the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Wow. He was stricken for the transgression of us. They, then they made his grave, in verse 9, they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Um, I'm going to jump down to verse 11. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He was going to make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. He was going to become sin. He was going to carry their sin, right? He was going to do that. And then it says there um, uh, in verse, well, in the next version, uh, verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Wow. Jesus... Isaiah 53, probably like no other scripture, which the whole book of Galatians and Philip, you we see it in the book of Romans, especially, and in Hebrews, it just confirms and confirms and confirms this exchange. Yes. But you see, this exchange um, starts with a death. Now, we touched on, on these scriptures uh, last week a little bit, but I want to I go to this particular uh, scripture in, in Romans chapter 6. Because it's so powerful. Um, Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? You see, immediately, immediately when grace is taught, people think that you're saying it's okay to sin. And that's okay. I mean, it, it, typically, that's what people hear. Religious ears hear that. If they, if they hear the word grace, they think you're saying it's okay to sin. It's like, nope, we're not. <laughs> By no means. Who has died? Who, how can we who died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In verse 5, for if we have been, listen carefully, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, I made this comment off the cuff a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember exactly when. I said, sadly, a lot of Christians still struggle with the same sins they've had for years. Some struggle with the sins they've had before they got born again. I'm not trying to be mean. Listen, your salvation doesn't depend on your sin. 
It depends on his righteousness and the gift of righteousness. But what I'm trying to say, I'm not saying it's okay to sin because sin will make your life miserable. Sin will kill you. Sin will destroy your life. Sin will destroy your children. Sin will destroy all kinds of relationships. So if you want to, if you want to have an absolutely miserable, terrible, horrible, good, no good day life, then keep sinning. Keep making an excuse. Keep focusing on the, the gray scriptures and forget about all the others. You see? Yes. <laughs> so, so no, we aren't. But you see, we have, if we don't realize this piece that, that, that I did die, I have to do an exercise. I have to hear the, this information. I have to take it home and I've got to allow myself to see myself as dead. Otherwise, we will still struggle with the sin. If I don't realize that the life of God, that I was actually, was past tense, when you got saved, so much happened in you that you don't realize. And you know why you don't realize this? Because we are so carnal, we said, I didn't feel anything. Because we didn't feel something, and some of you did, but because we have limited what, what our little experience, our tangible physical experience was, we haven't believed what God's view and opinion of things are. And when we see that, hold on, I was buried with him. These scriptures, this chapter is, goes into it. You've heard me say it so many. That our old safe self was crucified. We were buried with Christ. And, and so it goes on and on. I'll come back to that in a second. But in Colossians 2 verse 12, we have been buried with him in baptism. In which you were also raised with him through your faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And I'm going to go back to this in, in the next chapter of Colossians, in Colossians 3. For you have died, past tense, past tense again, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, people, you are dead. You are dead. I think I said this last week, Jen was talking about it. I said, I thought we should call this zombies or something like that because we're, we're the walking dead. But that's too negative because zombies are weird. And they, it's like, but, but, we're, we, we, but, but you've got to understand, you did die. Look, you can look at yourself like Adam may have done or Eve may have done after they ate the fruit of the tree and said, well, I'm still breathing. Right? No. No, 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 no. You see, the problem when you are having, when you are not experiencing everything that's associated with salvation and life, you know why? It's because you think that old man is still alive. You believe that old man is still alive. But when you, when you identify with the fact that you actually Died. Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. Guys, that is a, that you just have to you just have to say, God, I don't understand that, but I'm taking your word for it. Because you are the one who said it. And then you've got to use that word confession. You've got to confess that. You've confessed, if you go and look, we, we've touched on it before, homologia. Is, it means to say the same thing as. To, to, you are going to say what God says. God, I don't understand it, but I, you say that I no longer live. Christ lives in me. In fact, when it says that in Galatians 3.13, in the next chapter, it says that, um, where, I'm just pulling it up over here. It says there, I'm jumping around in my notes, that's why. Galatians 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That's what we see. He became the curse. He became the sin. So when you want to say, I have sin in my sin, you've got to stop. No. I'm believing wrong. Jesus has my sin. Jesus became my sin. Jesus became my sin. We have to persuade ourselves. You have to hear these words and you have to say, okay, Lord, 
How do I identify with your death? In fact, in, um, in uh, I'm just trying to think, it in the, I think, where is it? In um, the sign of Jonah, Matthew 12, in verse 39, he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I love this because uh, in the book of Jonah, it's, it says here, Jesus said, they will be given the sign of Jonah. And, and that's a topic for another day because we can talk about the three nights and the, the three days and the three nights, right? And uh, because if you count, Friday to Sunday morning is not three days and three nights. So, um, but three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. So he says, it, it, so then, but if you go and, and, and read Jonah in, chapter, in, in Jonah, Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then it says, he prays to God in 2 verse 1 from the belly of the fish saying, and he calls out to the Lord, out of my distress, he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. I believe this whole passage of scripture is, is really prophetic. Jonah was praying. This was what, what Jesus was experiencing. He went to Sheol. He cried, you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. All your waves and your bills passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, but I will look again on your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head and the roots of the, uh, at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought my, up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came into your holy temple. And then this piece, um, I, I, like, I don't like this in the ESV version. And I'll tell you why. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, I will get to that in a second. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I believe Jesus, remember, he became sin. He went to the grave to Sheol. He didn't pretend to take my sin. He took our sin. And he became unrighteous. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to make some people stir up something. You have to see this. He went to the grave. Now, why I said verse 8, if you go and read the verse 8, in, a lot of people put the word idols in. The idols is not in your original translation. It's because translators keep doing this. They keep thinking they know what God meant. So they want to help us stupid people. And so they throw in what they think they should throw in. It happens often. That's why I thank God we live in a day where we can easily just use your blue leather Bible and check out the... But over here, if you go and read it in the King James Version, in the Darby, and in the Young's Literal, it says this, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And that's just saying, if you're going to believe vain things... It doesn't say idols. It's not talking about idol worship. It's you believe your own things. You observe lying vanities. You forsake chesed. You forsake God's loving kindness and tender mercy. Because God's mercy and kindness and grace and everything only exists in His way of seeing it. So Jesus, anyhow, I don't want to go off on that, but here Jesus has this experience. He actually goes to the grave. This is what I want you to see. He goes to the grave. He experiences whatever three days and three nights in, in, in Sheol might be, and he defeats that sin. Amen. He conquers that sin with, with, with a combination of God raising him from the dead and the faith in him that I will yet see you on the, on the holy temple. He defeats him. And that's what makes when Jesus raises from the dead so powerful. Because when you see, hold on a second. He took my sin to the grave. Not just to the little tomb with the stone. He took it to hell. He defeated it in hell. And he rose victorious. That means your sin has been defeated. 
It's been crushed because you know what? One, you still believe you're carrying it. Because some lying religious person told you that. Or you decided to believe that from whatever. No. Jesus took it. The great exchange. He took my... He became sin so that I can become his righteousness. The very righteousness of God. When I start seeing myself as being exchanged, that I literally have... Not because I earned it. Not because I deserved it. But because I took on the righteousness of God, because of His grace and mercy, because of His mercy, He had favor and grace and, and on all of us. But when I start believing that, it's like, wow, oh, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm not a dirty, rotten sinner, as we heard, like T, T, T said this. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner. The old has gone. But guess what? As long as you see yourself as a sinner, guess what you will do? You will act like one. Because you've identified, you seeing your identity as a sinner. You, you, I can only give you words. You've got to do the rest. I can promise you though, if you do the rest with where we're going with this, if you unpack this with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and go and look these things up and take it into your heart, I promise you, your life will change. You will see more victory in your life. You will experience more salvation, hold, healed, prospered, delivered, set free. You will experience more of that than you've ever experienced before. And, you'll, and, and it's a, it, listen, it's progressive, people. But it starts with understanding that he, he, when he died, I died. I crucified. You are dead. So you don't get to tell no tales about you. Lying vanities. Amen. Isn't that good? I think it's good. There is so much. There is so many good things in that, man. Thank you. You know, when... In fact, I'm going to go back to um, verse 5 of Romans chapter 6. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a res resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified in him in order that the body of sin be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will, and will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Amen. There's so much to unpack in life. God's word. For, for the death he died, he died to sin. Listen to this. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now get ready for verse 11. So, you must also consider, or the word is reckon, yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You have got to reckon yourself dead to sin. And that word, reckon, is a powerful word. It's a very, it's a, it's a accounting term. It's, it's this. It's called, log, 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 it comes from the word logic. Or we get the word logic. I said, logizomai. And this is it. It's to reckon, to compute, to calculate, to take into account, make account, to reckon and treat accordingly. What? To suppose, to judge to judge absolutely. So now you must judge absolutely, compute to make account of the fact that you yourself are dead to sin. And alive to God in Christ Jesus. This word, uh, I, I, in, in the blue letter it says, this word deals with reality. If I reckon, legitimize that my bank account has $25 in it, it has $25 in it. Otherwise, I'm deceiving myself. This, this word refers more to fact than to supposition or opinion. So it's not saying, you know, like the Southern, I, you know, well, I reckon. How are you today? Well, I, I reckon I'm okay. That's, that, that is not what the word, I, I, I reckon so. I must, we must reckon ourselves. I reckon. 
No, it's like I must, I must compute, I must consider, I must, I must make the calculation, I must judge correctly. You have to judge correctly, and nobody can do that for you. You have to judge correctly. Now, listen, guys. Since time immemorial, there are people that will take the gospel and use it to their own ends because they'll do the binoculars thing. You can focus on this truth that I'm telling to you and say, well, I've got every right to be a homosexual or to overeat, whichever one you want to prefer. I don't know. You know, I've got, a, I've got enough stuff to look at. I'm sorry. But it's, like, it's just like you, you, you can try and just when you try and justify your sin, you will find a way to live in sin. Our favorite sin, you will find a way to justify it. You will, you will read the Bible through those little blinkers and you will pick out all the verses that you like that will justify you living there. Because that's how your brain works. But the question is, that will still kill you. So my question to you and to me is, what do you want? Do you want to experience a continuum of life? Or do you want to experience a continuum of death? I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. If you want to experience the continuum of life and salvation, then you have got to abandon, be prepared to abandon these things and see things from the way God sees them. You've got to, you can't just say, well, you know what? I really like that sin, so I'm just going to come because, yes, the grace one, the grace says that, you know, that I have no, you could do that all you want to. And you may even go to heaven for all I know. I don't, I, God knows your heart. I don't know. If you want to justify living in sin and have a miserable life, you probably can. But why? Why would you want to? Do you want to live in life or do you want to live in death? I'm telling you, we are so close to the end time. I think that the body of Christ has to shake or pull off these old ways of seeing things and stand up and be the body of Christ. Be the hands and feet. You know, you know what I saw this week that, remember, I mean, some of you are older like me. I'm B55 later this month. I know. I can buy one of the, get one of those condos in the old age. I mean, the, the mature community. Mature community. I was like, you know, how many of you remember when you were a kid? I was born again and I had radical experience when I was young. And I, we were even told then, you know, one day, one day they're going to start saying that aliens are real because that's the only way that they can justify the rapture. And guess what happened this week? How many of you were on the news about the aliens? We're starting to get reports justifying the presence of aliens from our government. I'm telling you, there will be deception like nobody. There's only one thing that can keep you from deception. One thing. You, only you, Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And walking in His way and being filled with the Spirit and going doing it His way. Because the Spirit will lead you. He will guide you. He will show you truth. He will teach you everything. He will show you what's to come. All of those things that we teach. But I'm telling you, there are going to be strong deceptions come. And if you're one of those that abandons the Word of God because, oh, well, I think the geologist is right... Listen, the geologist doesn't know all the facts yet. Give Jesus a chance. One day you'll understand. It's exactly like he said it is. We don't under, There's some things we don't... There is so much good science in there. And some of you have seen some of my video, the videos that I have. Do you know how much science there is that is being shut down? Because it does not fit in with their agenda. There is science, lots of it, that prove God's ways. But if you're one of those that just uh, you're quick to shove the word of God aside so that you can believe the government or believe the teacher or believe the professor with six pens in his pocket who's got a double PhD, you're in trouble. You've got, you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to believe God and take him for his word? Or are you going be- you, or, or to believe whatever story is going to come your way? Because there are going to be lots of stories coming your way. People, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. But we, have, we each have to make that choice. Come on now. Yes. Amen. 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 You're dead. 
You know, our people used to say, does a dead man get offended? No. So you can't be offended at me. But it's, but it's true, you know, we, we, we're so quick to, to, to defend our egos, and we'll touch on some of that. We're so quick to defend our ways that we were taught, and we're especially quick to defend the way, especially if we've been wasting our time doing something, some religious activity for decades. Oh, that is the holy grail. You touch on that piece, and you get people mad. And I'm sorry to say, but... To me, no holds barred. We're going to go for truth, and we're going to unpack truth. Not at the co- we're not. I'm just saying we will speak the truth in love, amen. amen. But only truth brings light and life. Yeah. Only, yeah. Amen. amen. We're not going to play, amen. Yeah. You go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us and setting us free, Lord. Thank you for the truth that you've spoken to us. Lord, we just surrender to this truth. We surrender to your truth. That we have been crucified with you. That we no longer live, but you live inside of us. If you're one of those this morning that feels your heart is resistant to that, that's okay. Listen, if this is the first time you've ever heard something like this, I encourage you, use the Word of God, use your Bible, pray, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Let Him open up the Word to you. It is true that it absolutely requires humility, a teachable heart to be able to go the next step with God. And it is your decision whether you will resist His word. I am not talking about anything that comes down the line. I encourage you. Check out my word. These words. Go and check it out in scripture. Listen to this again. If you get your heart persuaded in these truths. But it is your choice. Or it can just be some information that gets thrown out and do nothing with what do you choose that's a decision that you can make right now with Jesus thank you Jesus thank you for so great a salvation Thank you, Jesus, that you took my sin. You can say that to yourself, that you took my sin to the grave. You defeated my sin in the grave. Lord, I receive your righteousness and trust only in that gift by your wonderful grace and love. I choose truth choose to walk in your light. I choose to walk in your life. And I'm prepared to open every part of my heart so that your light can flood in. That your life can flood in. I do sense that. I I sense as a couple of you did right then, you actually experienced some healing. You just did that in your heart. You opened up some closed area. And just the fact that you opened it was a release of something in your body. What's beautiful about the life of God is that it just gets brighter and brighter and more whole, more peace, more health, more freedom. And Lord, we open ourselves to that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Father. You are the only God, the creator of the ends of the earth. We extol your name alone. You are worthy. You are the only one who is worthy. 
you're here or you're watching online and you, you feel like you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, you can just do that right now in your heart. You can just call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus is so, rare, is so there for you. Please, if you're online, please contact our prayer line and let us know and we can get with you. And if you hear it, please come and see one of our prayer counselors. We have got such awesome prayer ministers here. I'd love to pray for you. They are an extension of Jesus. They know how to hear, know how to minister to you. Amen. 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 Well, guys, thank you for bearing with me today. I'm just kidding. Love you guys so much. Thank you for opening your hearts to what God has for you. Let me, ta- let, me let you know, though, I'm telling you next week, um, Corinne and I have got a special Sunday happening, and then we'll tell you all about it then, and then, um, and then we'll carry on with the series, okay? You guys, um, be dismissed.